My name is Brandon Gargan. Uh, I am the director of sales here at SalesWhale. Um, and with me today is Sangram Vajri. Uh, he is the co-founder and chief evangelist of Terminus, which is the leading ABM platform. Uh, he's also a two times author of account-based marketing for dummies and ABM is B2B. Uh, he's also the host of the Flip My Funnel podcast. Uh, if you're interested in ABM at all, uh, he is the person to listen to. Um, I know uh, as a company, SalesWhale is just super excited um, and a big believer in ABM. Um, so thank you so much for, for joining us today. This is uh, an honor for me. Oh man, I'm fired up. Let's do this thing. <laughs> awesome. So just quickly, um, if you don't mind, can you just say kind of in your own words, what is ABM for those that might not know? Um, it's getting butchered. Honestly, that's one of the reasons I wrote the second book. Uh, as you said, ABM is B2B. I'm like, yeah. there you go. Uh, another acronym. And like, my publisher was like, wait a minute, you want in a three word title of your book two acronyms like ABM. And then the only other word that is like a word, if you would, is, is. So I'm like, yep, uh, it is, it is what it is. So ABM is B2B. I feel like it's just a better, smarter way of doing marketing and sales. Um, and, and I think a lot of people can define it. There are like tons of definitions you, you can look at. I think they're like 89 or something last time um, I was looking for it. Um, and, and the reality is, yes, you can call it targeted marketing. You can call it like, you know, very um, holistic tiered approach to get in front of the right accounts through a uh, omni-channel. Like you can use all the buzzwords in the world to define it, but the reality is this. If you're in B2B, you gotta know who you're targeting, plain and simple. If you don't know that, everything else doesn't even matter. It does, like literally doesn't even matter. That's one of the greatest challenges. And I think Forrester came out with the research in 2015 that says, said that less than 1% of the leads are turning to customers. That's just real. It's a, it should make people vomit, like as, as a marketer. If less than 1% of what we generate doesn't drive revenue, what the heck are we doing? So to me, ABM is really like, hey, like really flip the funnel on that, really look at and say, well, the reason it happens is because we don't know who we are targeting. We don't have a list that says, you know, the 50 accounts, we need to focus and do everything possible, scalable and scalable things to win these deals. And when companies do that, some can call it ABM. I think two years from now, Brandon, I think everybody's going to call it B2B. That's cool. I like that. It's kind of the broad spectrum, but I, I agree. Everything's sort of shifting. And um, I, for me, I just love how kind of passionate you are about it and how for you, everything that I read and everything I see, it's like, I believe in this and I want to move this forward. It's not about any sort of selfish thing. So um, when I see somebody that's like that, it's like, okay, there's something behind this, right? There's some substance there. Um, and obviously you've had a ton of success. So uh, obviously that leads us to, you know, companies need to sort, sort of evolve their B2B strategies, especially in 2020 in this crazy world. But why should they consider ABM specifically? You know, the, when, when we like March, when the world changed for everybody, yeah, I, I was shippish about that. I was like, maybe, maybe it's not time to go on the offense anymore as I did before on like, Geek, like wake up like you got to do this kind of thing like and so I took almost the month of March April almost my my foot off the pe uh, pedal and said uh, let's see what's going on and what I saw Brandon was budgets of marketing getting cut marketing teams not knowing how to show what ROI is, is what they're driving CEOs questioning if they need marketing teams at all uh, 
uh, events completely like nobody's doing events. So everybody trying to do virtual events and, and it's just different. So all that led to like, wait a minute, we are in a more chaotic way and it's just exposing, really magnifying the problem that we have as marketers. If you're in marketing and if you're in sales, your, your job, if, let's just talk marketing. If you're in marketing, if you're listening to this, your job is to incrementally or exponentially grow sales, period. Like it took me 10 years of therapy to say that, but it's just the reality <laughs> of it. our job is to incrementally or exponentially grow sales. And the reason the budgets are getting cut and the jobs are not there or changes are happening or the CEOs are questioning is because they're like, I already knew, I didn't know how to measure it. So let me just cut it and see if it really hurts. If it doesn't, then I'll keep cutting. And that's the problem. So now I'm back on the offense. I was like, no, 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 this is the time. Like go to your CEO and go to your CRO and go to your sales team and said, hey, tell me the, the, the 50 accounts for you to close that's gonna help us meet quota this quarter. And then go back to your menu of options and saying, well, we can do webinar, we can do ebook, we can do all these different things. And now do those things for those 50 accounts. Like now go and do a webinar, which you're good at for those five accounts that will actually make or break your business and make it personalized for them. Turn that ebook that just flopped into very personalized for that industry and that individual and they would actually pay attention to it. So there are things that we all can do now, but now you gotta do it for the right accounts with the right intent and the right result and the right business outcome. And I feel as I'm back on the offense, I'm like, gosh, it's enough. Like we gotta back, get back in and transform and say, this is what marketing does. We drive business and here's how we drive business. So I think it's exposing the very problem we have been having for years. I think that's awesome. I mean, it's all about piquing their interest by saying, how can I solve your problems? You know, what are you, and just because things have changed in the world, it doesn't mean that they don't have problems anymore. Their problems have just changed. So um, I, I love that. That's, that's awesome. Uh, what do you think the biggest challenge a company faces making this transition? And, and why do you think companies fail at it so often? Oh man, it's funny. Um, I don't know if you saw Brandon, I, I know you're using it or not, but I love using polls on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. It's fascinating. It's easy to use. And I would recommend and encourage everybody to do it um, on a regular basis. So I do maybe once a week or something, a poll out there. And I ask, uh, I'll ask questions like, what is the number one thing um, that's, that, that's, you know, it, that's a result of it just that ABIP is failing in your organization? Or what is the number one strategy that you're, uh, you're testing? So I will get all kinds of responses. At a minimum, on an average, there are 500 people who will respond. And like, I know the next one is Megan uh, Eisenberg for you guys. So Megan responded to uh, several of those polls. So these are like legit polls responded by legit practitioners. So it's really fun to get that amount of data that quickly. And with the four options that I had, the number one reason why organizations failed in implementing ABM from the people who actually do ABM, literally 80%. 80% of them said because of the marketing and sales alignment that's being broken. And when I hear that, it literally turns my like body, like I want to like, oh my God, you're still dealing with the same crap. And, and we need to change that, right? And, and I feel like, again, it's exposing these issues. So, so one of the biggest things that I see happening over and over again is Marketing has a different number and a sales have a different number. If that's still happening in your organization, anybody listening to this right now, change that. That's like the number one cause, the root of our evil literally is in there because if your metrics, if you're celebrating 
number of people attending a webinar and your sales team is depleting with not closing deals, it's a problem in your organization. So give them the same number. So there's only one number that marketing and sales, marketing may not get commission, but their bonuses, they get their keep get to keep their jobs and maybe get promoted, right? Like all whatever it is, however you want to compensate, but the number has to be the same, has to be the same. And when you do that, I feel like we can talk about strategies for how marketing and sales team can get aligned if you want in a little bit. But man, I, the number one reason they fail is because marketing doesn't feel that sales is delivering on their accounts that they care about. Now, let me ask you this, like you're, you said you're director of sales. Um, what are the titles of your salespeople? What, what do you call them? Account uh, executives. Account executive, exactly. Sales team understands account. It, it was never, it wasn't, it's in your title. Marketing, yeah. it's marketing never understood that. So we kept giving you leads. And your team kept saying, well, I'm after these 10 accounts. Give me leads in these 10 accounts. But marketing said, well, here are 50 new leads uh, from this new white paper we just did that had nothing to do with the pipeline that we, we have to close this month or quarter in order to meet our numbers. So that mix is a problem. But if we, you and I, if you were in the same organization, if you and I had the same number at the end of the quarter, I'll be asking constantly, Brandon, what's happening with our top 20 accounts? Uh, oh, there's no engagement here. Okay, let, let me find out. Oh, they're all in healthcare or five of them are in healthcare. Why don't we just create a small webinar for five people in healthcare and do personal invitations and get them on it, right? And see what happens. If it wasn't, if we were all able to get out and go dinners, we'll say, why don't we just bring all these people in the same location and do that as the geo? So all these things, marketing has so much power, so much power to do and influence these things. I think you just need to get back in the, on the offense now. That makes sense. And uh, I've obviously lived through that. I've been in sales for a long time. So sort of a personal question. Why do you think so many marketers don't share that same philosophy? I think um, for me, some of the, the best kind of marketing sales relationships I have are exactly that when there's a unified goal. And I find maybe that's more at smaller companies where it's like everybody's working towards that same one goal. We need to get funding or we need to hit you know revenue KPIs, whatever that is. But um, why do you think that philosophy isn't shared at more companies? Marketers never carried a bag. So you, they don't know. Marketing gets budget. I mean, I'm like, it's really sad. Like, it's reality. is, If a marketer has to earn the budget they get in their organization, I think that it will be completely diverse. Here, here's what happens. Like, I'm a founder of, like, I was at Salesforce before through the acting of Pardot and started Terminus. We're about 200 people now. And I've gone through that, like three series of funding. And I, I've been in board meetings. And this is this is what typically happens. I've, I'm, I'm a hunt, like advisor for like several boards. So I know just so what I'm about to share is what just happens at a high level that most people uh, probably don't even think through this. But here's, here's what happens. Marketing and sales, if you look at the financial statements of any company, is one line item. Like literally one line item, which means if that number, if the investors in your organization are looking at that number and saying, oh, that number is not in that, in that sweet spot of where it needs to be in order for you to be a healthy business for them to invest in, they will stop investing in your business. So that just means that marketing and sales are tied to the hip. We like it or not, we want it or not, we think have different philosophies. It doesn't really matter. Like it's just the truth. Like I, it just hit me like a brick when I saw that. Oh my God. This is, it's not broken out. It's literally one number, sales marketing uh, index. And then here's another thing. When marketing gets, typically what happens is 
the the executive team and the board comes up with like, hey, here's here's where we need to hit. We need to hit 20 million this year, okay? They would say, okay, for that, we need to have X number of deals closed. Okay, based on our pipeline to close ratio, here are all the amount of pipeline we need. Based on that, here is how many leads we need. Now that's what your VP of finance somewhere in a spreadsheet or her spreadsheet is doing. And they give you that, oh, we need 3000 leads a month in order to hit this 20 million goal. So it's literally broken down into this weird, stupid little spreadsheet in every organization. And then that's what is handed over to the marketer and say, hey, marketer, uh, here's your budget and here's what your output is. So there you go. That's how the setup is. So unless you know, as a marketer challenge that, no, 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 no. How about we change the pipeline percentage instead of creating 5X pipeline, we need to create 3X pipeline and convert more. Instead of just, just looking at lead to close ratio, how about we start working on expansion and sell multi-product deals, multi-year deals and things like that. But you gotta have the ability to understand all these economics that are happening, but majority, like I would say 99% of the marketers are literally accept that and say, okay, well, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna generate so many leads, let's indication and throw all these leads and say, well, I don't know, sales didn't do their job. That's the problem. It's funny. It's like you were sitting in a room with me at my, my previous organization as the guy who used to build those spreadsheets. I, uh, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And, and, and you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. The, what, what's really mistaken in that is that you would want in your, in your role to be challenged. You yep. would want the marketer to walk in and say, wait a minute, Brandon, that sounds like, you know, it can work, but what about this scenario? Let's just both improve on this. Let's test something this month and this quarter. And now the model changes, the model shifts, like they get trust with you. Imagine them, if you're a marketer listening to this, just sit on the calls. Like right now, just this week, sit on two, three, four different calls with your sales team and see how they have to, like the, the, the phrase that comes to me is self-empathy. Sales empathy of knowing that you start at zero every single month as a salesperson and you have to hit the quota, otherwise you don't have food on the table. Yep. That empathy has to be translated into the emotions of a marketer that he or she needs to create in order to help you win. And when that empathy doesn't exist, you get all these kind of flying things. That's so true. Um, and, and that's something we've actually adopted here is having marketing and really the whole company listen to sales calls. Gong has been a huge uh, change for us. And it's, it's huge. I mean, you really sit back and you go, wait a minute, I had no idea that our customers thought this, or I had no idea that we were saying this. It's just, it, it helps to bring everybody into alignment. So um, yeah, that's something I would recommend in, in our short time doing it is just have everybody at the organization who has a passion or an interest listen to sales calls because those are the front lines. It changed. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. And I'm yeah. so glad that's what your organization is doing. I feel if some people want to take away anything from it, just mark on your calendar. Don't let other people rule your calendar. Go mark on your calendar every week. I'm going to listen to at least one sales call. Do that for one month. And I think your copy will change. Your messaging will change. The way you think about it will change. It, it, it's, it's a dramatic improvement in the way you actually become a marketer. I love that. So, Shifting back to ABM specifically, um, how do you think it's changed in the past three months? I know you said you kind of took a step back in March and tried to analyze what was going on. Like what, what's the big kind of fundamental pillars that may have shifted with ABM that companies should be aware of? 
I think the two phrases that we started to adopt in our organization as a result of this, um, number one is that retention is a new acquisition. And I want people to really look at that is that marketing is not just net new demand gen. When the markets are squeezing, the budgets are cutting and stuff, like what do you look at? And the reality is that the, the number one reason most businesses fail maybe mom and pop shop or maybe a big, big company shop, like whatever. The number one reason most companies fail is because they don't have good retention, period. Their top line revenue could be really good, but their bottom line is not supporting that top line. Like just being in the numbers and as a founder, like I'm looking at these numbers and I know that like we have made this decision over and over again. And this is where marketers need confidence to say these numbers. If you were to ask the question, hey, would you have 10 new customers or five existing customers stay and actually increase the value of the deal. Most marketers won't be able to answer that question because they have no idea what the size, the, the tenure, the, um, the long-term impact of those deals are and things like that. But if you truly focus on and talk and ask that question to your CFO, like literally go and ask this question to your finance person saying, hey, what would be better? Eight deals, five deals, seven deals? Instead of creating 10 deals, if you did eight deals or five deals, and increase our expansion value for the existing five deals, what's better? And when you do in the spreadsheet, that's what you're gonna find out is that it's easier and that more profitable for your organization and more healthier for the organization to keep the existing business and improve on it. And it's easier, like really much more easier if you're really focused on it, as opposed to getting a net new and the cost of acquisition and everything comes with it. So what I've seen is that retention is the new acquisition. That's the number one thing I feel I've seen that as a shift because it, it, it was forced on marketers, but still the surveys that I've done, people are still over on the demand gen and really nowhere close to pipeline velocity or retention. So I think it's a, like any marketer, you'll be like a, a hero in your organization if you take this and then go and say, here's what we're gonna do and look at the map. It's, it's ridiculously, you'll get promoted, make more money, like guaranteed. Let me know if you don't, like seriously, you'll make more money. The second is from a sales perspective, the other thing that we started to develop is that helping is the new selling. Helping is the new selling. So what you are doing right now as an organization by bringing other people and other inputs and stuff, you're building a brand. You're, you're helping your customers, you're helping your future customers. They now know what your company is doing and helping and are trying to, to, to say, recognizing that, hey, look, right now may not be the best time to go big on, hey, buy me, buy me, buy me. Right now it might be like, let me help you, let me help you, let me help you. And I think that's what you're doing. So companies who are looking at helping as a new selling, and, and, and I don't want people to get it wrong. Doesn't mean you don't have to have quota. Doesn't mean the deals are not happening today. Doesn't mean that you're not driving business. It just means that you're taking a different approach to drive business. That means you might be shifting your quota numbers from this number to a little bit lower and closing those deals a little bit uh, at a longer phase. Maybe you are actually slowing down the deals and it's okay and breaking down the existing product into smaller products and, and trying to sell those. So there's so many ways to go about it, but try figuring out, can you, if from an acquisition perspective, retention is a new acquisition and from a demand perspective, how you can have helping as your new selling. I love that. And it's, it's something that I experienced. I think um, I could tell very early on when, when kind of the world went into shock, the companies that were like, Hey, I'm trying to sell you something. Hey, I'm trying to sell you something. And my inbox was just flooding versus the companies like, Hey, here's some interesting facts that we found just in case, you know, like whatever it was, they were just providing value. 
Um, and in that kind of haze and in that noise, you could see the ones that stood out. And I still remember those companies today. Those are the ones that I'm like, you know, I, I love that approach. And that's, I think, why we believe in ABM so much here. Yeah. I mean, you build what you're doing is like, you know, to put another phrase, if the two of those were not big enough for people to take and do something is like brand drives the demand. I've seen yeah. it over and over again. Like uh, we, we uh, in the early days of uh, launching terminus and stuff, like we focused so much on building the brand of the ABM and the problem around it through Flipmacher and others, like almost 100% of our first 100 customers, like every one of our first 100 customers came from the community that we built. And the funniest thing is we never sold to the community. Right, like so, they came and directly all inbound, and we're like looking at like, wait a minute, where's this inbound coming from? And they were all when we looked at the match, oh, they're all in the community, and they just realized that we were literally helping them. So in some ways, we did it, and we're so glad that we did that. But now it's even more important for people to be very thoughtful around those things because you'll get credit for it. And the interesting thing is, and this is where it's beautiful, not every organization is going to do it. Right. All the 600, 400 people, whoever listening to this, one, literally one of them are going to do this, what we're talking here. And that's it. That's the difference. It's, it really is changing the status quo. And it sounds like a big risk, right? You're saying, hey, revenue may not be my number one priority right now. It's about building our brand. It's sort of a long game. And, and that's, that's a, it's, it's challenging. It's challenging to go to, you know, whoever your superiors are, whether it's the C-level or the boardroom and say, this is exactly what I want to do. This is our strategy because not everyone cares about that. <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say revenue is not the goal. I would say no, revenue is absolutely is the goal. It's just that you're looking at it from a different lens and the timing around that is going to be a little bit different because yeah. like it or not, it, the world is different. It's just different. So let's just agree and understand that that's true and say, here's how smartly we're going to go towards business. We're going to, you actually may have to invest less in brand, like dollar-wise, but create a bigger brand and a better brand because of all the things you could do right now because you have attention of all the people right now. Yeah. So the, the world has changed. Um, you said retention is the new acquisition. Helping is the new selling. What hasn't changed about ABM? Like, What's that true pillar that companies should stay the course on? Oh, uh, great question, Brandon. I feel what hasn't changed and I hope it will never change is this, that every account that you go after has to be treated differently. That hasn't changed and shouldn't change. So we have a saying in the book that says that some accounts deserve champagne and uh, some sparkling water. It's just <laughs> the truth of it. And initially it sounds a lot of people like, wait a minute, no, no, no. Uh, we treat all of our customers great. No, it, like you go on, have you ever flown on Delta and you know that when you have Sky Miles and Diamond and Medal, no, everyone is different. Yes, you fly from one place to another, but everyone has a different place based on where they are. If you're selling a million dollar deal versus a $10,000 deal, would you treat both the same? No, you shouldn't. Like it, it makes no sense whatsoever to treat them same. So I think this idea of marketing because it has been all and everything. If you're, if you're not doing ABM, that's what you're doing right now. You're spamming and putting the same content, the same newsletter goes to everybody, the same webinar invite goes to everybody, uh, the same ebook goes to everybody. If that's what your marketing is, then you're not doing ABM, just not. And now if you flip that and say, well, only 15 of these are gonna get this. Only 10 of them are actually gonna be invited. I'm gonna make a personal call to each one of them. 
that's different. So what's not changed, and I think it's becoming more and more important, and companies are doing the are better, are actually reaping rewards for it, um, it is, is, is literally creating this incubator of the right kind of conversation. So I'll tell you some of the stuff that we're doing. As an example, the thing that is driving the greatest amount of business for us today as an organization are these 20 minute web, uh, 20 people webinars every single week that we have been doing, 20 people. And we cap it out and say, no more than 20 people, no more than 20 people. All 20 people have to be on camera and we talk about the challenges and they are either by industry, by size, by segment, like just different different pockets, different things so that we, we there's some connectivity and we tell everybody like, hey, look, here are all the five people that are gonna attend. So they're like, okay, well, I'm gonna attend and these five people are gonna attend. So, but we cap it out of 20 so that we make sure that it's, it's not a ton of people, create a very safe environment. It is about them. They all get to have conversation. They all get to talk about their pain points and challenges and stuff like that. And people next time like, well, I didn't get to go there last week. So, well, you have next week. So we would like, you initially thought, well, no, let everybody come in. Like, no, exactly opposite, flip it. Only exclusively, only 20 people every week and based on different segments. Things like that is what's going to drive the greatest amount of impact in business for you. It's not the flash. It's literally the inline themes that you're going to be driving into. I love that. <laughs> That's cool. It's sort of that like exclusivity factor. And, and when they know who's attending, they're like, I have to be in that one. I want to be there. Um, yeah. That's really cool. And, and are these people that are part of your community or these current customers? Yeah, we started with customers because going back to yeah. number one, retention is the, the best acquisition. We didn't want our customers to feel left out. So we started with our customer. Then we went to our future customers. And you know, now we're like, you know, just moving on you know, from there. But customers, like that's where we started. And say, we want to help you. We want to figure out what's working, what's not working. Like everybody's facing the same problems, but now you're all in the same industry. How are you addressing that? You're at the same level. How are you addressing that? Oh, that's a great idea. This is so all these things just starts helping each other. And because it's only 20 and there's like 80, 90% show rate to that, right? Because they wow. know this is for them. It's not for everybody in the world. It is just for them. It, it changes yeah. the game. That's huge. I like that. So um, we've had a lot of cool questions coming in here in the Q and A. Um, I was hoping I could ask you some of those and just kind of yeah. jump in. Awesome. So before before I jump in there, I have a selfish question for you. This is from somebody here on our team, um, and and the question is, how can you run ABM with a small team? What is the most important thing to focus on when you only have maybe one or two people? Internally, uh, that you're as a marketing team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, you, it's good. It's great that you don't have too many people. You don't need too many cooks in the kitchen. It's actually, you may be thanking yourself three months from now because you can make decisions tests. Like this is ABM and this is marketing in general. And this is the formula testing, testing, and then testing. That's it. <laughs> like that is the formula for marketing. That is the formula for ABM. And you can't do that when you have 20 people consensus that you have to go through in the process. So if you have two people team, you probably are more ready to do and test and, te and figure out what's working, what's not. So the best way to do that is really always start with the sales team. Always, always start with the sales team. Go to Brandon or somebody on your sales team and say, gee, what, give me a name of your salesperson, one of your salesperson. Um, we've got Jezreel. All right, Jezreel. 
So ask, ask that person, like, what are your top five accounts that we need to work in? Guaranteed that person knows what those five accounts are. And now start doing actual ABM with them, which might mean all the things we just talked about, sending them a direct mail, surrounding with ads, or engaging with them, taking your existing ebook and making it all about that company. Heck, go on your website and just create a landing page just for them with their logo, with their messaging, a video from that person saying, hey, we just created this page for you. Guaranteed you will get a response. I don't know if they'll win, you'll win our deal or not, like it may depend on to me, but you will get a response. You will get an, a nod. You will get a, a, a movement in, in the process. And that is the easiest and the fastest way to get going. Awesome. And, and that's actually a good segue into another question that we received. Um, basically, how do you create all of this content? Um, the person asks, I don't have, I'm finding that I don't have enough time to create all of this content. Yeah, that's the, that's the greatest excuse from the beginning of time uh, that we have all created for ourselves. And I mean, no disrespect. I've, I've said this myself. How do I do this? How do I do this? Uh, and yeah. so this, this, is, this, this comes with a lot of uh, respect, but also and people are going to hear it straight because that's the only way I know how to share this information. It's like, you, you got to stop doing stuff. That doesn't matter. Like, like literally stop it, right? So example newsletter if you send a newsletter probably yes great if you don't send that newsletter what will happen if nothing stop doing it right you put four social posts every single week that's part of your job okay what's the engagement on that anybody like anybody retweets anybody comments no stop doing that like 80 percent of the stuff we do actually have no business impact whatsoever we're just checking the box so you stop those 80% of things, you'll find time. And I'll give you another way to like find, make more content that is literally at a, like a flywheel. Like this is like the advice. Like I gotta get royalties and money from people for this because anyone who does that and if they don't make money and that organization doesn't make money, like I don't know how and what's going on. I need to know, I really need to know that because it's impossible for you to not make money as an organization. I'll say, look, launch very simply a very simple like hey we're going to do a podcast with our customers okay and every single week say you talk to one customer and just record that that conversation and it has nothing to do with your product and services maybe it will have maybe it will naturally come if not it doesn't really matter just talk to them 20 minutes record hey i'm going to record a podcast with you within three months you're going to have probably 30 conversations that you had with 30 different customers and heck, what that's a flywheel you can take that audio, transcribe it. There are, there are your blocks, right? You can take that audio and video. If you're doing a Zoom, now you have video snippets with them. Now you can have somebody from Fiverr or something like that, cut it in two minute snippets and then use that content on social. Heck, you tag them and they will promote that to their entire base and stuff like that. You're talking, you don't have time for content. Like if you, if you don't have 20 minutes to talk to a customer, then you're right, you can't do it. But if you talk 20 minutes, with somebody, 30 minutes total, put an hour a week in this whole process, and then have all these processes that splits out ton of content for your blog, videos, and stuff like that. You're telling me three months from now, you're not gonna have a big hub of content? That's crazy, you will, absolutely you will. And now this content is about that industry of your customers, you can get better than that. That's, that's awesome, yeah, that's, um that really puts it in perspective. <laughs> 20 minutes every day towards an activity, you're going to be drowning in content. 
Now, I mean, I'm, I run a flip map on a daily podcast. Like I only do once a week, really. The rest of the four days are run by the community. So like, I, I don't think there's a dearth of content. It's the quality of content. It's the quality of content that's messing it up. Like uh, I'll give you another example. A lot of people want to create a ton of gated content. BS, stop creating gated content. Um, you just need one great piece of gated content. One, that's it. At Terminus, we ungated everything except one. But the problem is this, when you don't show, there's a lot of beautifully well-designed eBooks sitting on somebody's shelf that nobody ever read. <laughs> I mean, that gonna hurt. And I think people yeah. will probably have that nervous laugh right now as a marketer if you're listening to this thing. A lot of well-designed, beautifully written, well-redlined uh, consensus from everybody from your company in that thing. And that is sitting somewhere and nobody has ever read. And that's probably true for you, 70, 80, 90% of your content. So ungated, but create that one great piece of content that everybody would want to have. It. Like that is that one thing that people would say, I'll do it. Like, so the example would be like a survey. Every year you, you run an industry survey every single year that has the best benchmarking data of all kinds of people want access to that, right? You create one gated content that, that you always drive to and talk about and make it part of your thing every year, every quarter or whatever you want, how you want to do it. And everything else, all the things we just talked about from podcasts to others, those are free to bring them back to that one thing. And now you start creating this flywheel effect in your business. That is all ABM. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so that, that kind of takes us then to another question, which I, I think is interesting. ABM is not working for me. How do I begin to detect what I'm doing wrong? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I need to hear more. What do you mean ABM is not working for me? Like what's not working? Like I need to know more about that. I don't know if there's a way to bring that person on screen here, but man, like, like, like I want to know more. What is not working? Because there's hundred reasons why it could not be working. Maybe your accounts are not the right accounts. Maybe the messaging is not specific to them. Maybe there is not enough follow-up. A lot of times marketing will do ads and campaigns and sales is like, well, I don't care about that. I got my own accounts to work on. I'm not gonna work on the accounts marketing created. So there could be a million reasons why it's going wrong. So that's the problem. That's why I wrote this ABM is B2B. It's not ABM. It's just better marketing. Like I think a lot of times we make B2B as boring to boring. Well, it's not boring to boring. It's blockbuster to blockbuster, right? Like just go big, go massive, create really cool stuff. Like this is your chance, your brand, your identity, right? So. Gosh, like, you know, I, like, I, I take offense to that. I want to know what's exactly going wrong. What would you say your process is if you find that something's not working out the way that you thought it would? Like, wh what's your first step in dissecting all of that? I mean, I, the first thing I look at, like, are we even going after the right accounts? Okay. Now, like, so, so the, the, here's a framework that we use um, that we have in the book. We have in the courses that we have done. And like, I mean, if somebody wants to do a LinkedIn course, LinkedIn just did. Um, a course uh, with me. It's called Account-Based Marketing Foundations. It's free on LinkedIn. It's a one-hour course. And I did a whole team framework and stories and stuff. Anybody on LinkedIn can just take that for free. Just look at look for my name or just Account-Based Marketing Foundations course. Uh, or just, or just uh, you know, I am me on, on uh, DM me on, uh, on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll send you a link if you can find it. But it, it's literally the team framework. T-E-A-M. Target, engage, activate, and measure. Simple, target, engage, activate, measure. You gotta know who you're targeting. If you don't know that, don't even worry about what you're gonna create flywheel product content for. Um, then figure out how you're gonna engage. Maybe 
maybe your target accounts are more online, so you need to do more advertising. Maybe they're not, they're in hospitals, like saving lives. Maybe you need to do direct mail and different things. So figure out what are the right engagement channels make sense. Maybe they're on LinkedIn, do more there. Maybe they're on Snapchat, like do more there. Don't do what everybody does. Look what those target accounts need and where they hang out. And then activate your single sale. This is the part everybody missed in marketing automation days. I, as, as I ran marketing portal, I remember like, oh, let's just go and do all this stuff. But if you don't activate the sales team, the, the, it's broken. That's where the less than 1% metric really came about. So activate your sales team and without their attention to those target accounts, um, you're going to just waste money and then measure success in an iterating way, going back to testing, 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 testing. That's how you measure and say, oh, we got engagement here. We need more people in this account engaging with us. How do we bring them? How do we create a landing page that's not gated, but it's all about them. Like you start doing these things and start figuring things out. But the number one thing to Brandon, your question, I look at, are we even targeting the right accounts? Okay. That's cool. And, and another question that a lot of people are actually giving the like button to, can you describe one successful ABM campaign that you ran in the past? Um, what would you attribute the success to? How many sales ready leads did their campaign bring in? Uh, very good. Very good question. So I will tell you um, two failure stories to support that. So everybody feels like okay. I'm not talking, I'm not like just, <laughs> just saying, Hey, you know, this is a soul, you know, why it failed. And then I'll share like the one story that, that everybody's looking for. So the first time we said, we're going to do it, we failed. Why? Because marketing came up with a list of accounts. What's wrong with that? Well, because sales said, well, I, great, go for it. Like they didn't really participate. So they're like, well, I don't know, whatever, right? Like I got my quota to meet. I know which accounts to go after. I don't need that. But that sounds like a great campaign. Go for it. And, and it failed massively. Two months later, we came back. Okay, well, that's not working. What do we do? We're going to have salespeople. Let Brandon and his whole team actually go ahead and give us accounts because then they are going to own it. Great. Everybody in the sales team, we want to close Nike. We want to close Adidas. We want to close this and that. Well, they're not even our target accounts. Like, why are we even talking about these accounts? And they're like, well, that's what we want to close. Fail again because it didn't match up with the right accounts. We didn't bring customer success. We didn't really understand the right target list of accounts we could create. So third iteration, to answer your question more specifically, then it worked was that we, we call it the, uh, the, <laughs> the, the 500 accounts, our top 500 accounts campaign. And at that time, marketing and sales literally sat together. We still have this meeting called Smarketing, one team meeting that we do, where we literally sat down and said, together, we're gonna come up with a list. Together, we're gonna identify, and it was a combination of what's in the pipe, what are the expansion deals we need to go after? What are the net new deals we need to go after? Then we stack rank and said, well, these are $100,000 plus deal. So it's tier one and above. These are tier two, these are tier three. Everybody said, yes, yep. If we close even 60% of this, we would have an amazing year. Yes, everybody's like, yeah, fine. So that we figured that out, what actually means business. And then we had like 70% win rate on those because everybody was like on it. Wow. Just to give numbers, like in the first year when we started, we hit a million in revenue. Second was five million and third was 15. I'll share that just because the question was asked. So every one of that actually was through this level of targeting and marketing that, that we did. But gosh, it will work only if you have that team framework nailed to the wall where everybody's like agreeing and you know that that's what a business impact looks like. If you don't know that, I think that's, that's where you, you're going to have trouble. 
yeah, that's that seems to be a, a pretty common theme throughout our conversation is is alignment with between different teams. Um, and and just through my experience, I know how important that is. Yeah. So one more question for you: um, the MQL is dead. Agree or disagree? Oh man, that uh, I hear cold calling is dead. MQL is dead. <laughs> Inbound is dead. No, nothing is dead. Like really, everything is well and alive. It really doesn't matter. I really want, I like, like, let me just take off the soapbox and hype around it and like just get real even more if I could. Here is this, that when organization have all these different levels of um, SLAs, if you will, like the service level agreements, you gotta have an MQL, we gotta have an SQL. We gotta have, if three days later, the salesperson doesn't follow up, it's gonna go to the VP. Or, uh, when you have these rules, what you don't have is trust. And when you don't have trust, it doesn't really matter. It's a blame game. Right. The MQL, SQL, all those things were created purely because marketing and sales had this misalignment and it was like, how do we fix it? We're big organizations and stuff. Oh, let's create a process, right? Somebody gets paid to create a process. So they created this process. So don't fall into that trap. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to do a crappy job today. Like everybody wakes up and say, I'm going to give my best today. And you know, the best thing you could do is to be able to create trust and relationships and understanding. I don't know a single person on my team right now that looks at MQLs and SQLs and stuff. We're looking at like, how do we drive business? I said, hey, like I just right, right before this, somebody said to me saying that in the sales and marketing team, they just sent me like, hey, there are two CMOs that we are talking to. They're also in a competitive deal with somebody else. I'm like, okay, great. Um, I'm going to send them a personal message. That's part of our process now. So it's not MQL, SQL, like who do we point? It, those all things, if you have that as, to, as a foundation of your marketing and sales organization, it's not a firm foundation. Your foundation should be based on trust, on the right business outcomes, the right results that you want to have in your organization, the right accounts and stuff like that. So inbound debt, cold call debt, ABM debt, like, you know, like, let's just call ABM debt too. Like, let's do B2B, let's do blockbuster to blockbuster and do some really cool stuff and, and, and yeah. on, on those things. Now, now I'm empathetic to the part that maybe your organization already have this as part of the process and you, whoever is asking this question have to follow this process and stuff like that. Great. But that shouldn't stop you from going to Brandon and, and Jillian or whoever in your organization that's in the sales team and saying, Tell me the top accounts you need help with. Let me help you win. You help them win, they will go tell everybody in the sales organization. And that's how you actually build that trust and camaraderie and, and, and empathy for each other. And so to me, it, it's not MQL, it's not all these buzzwords, it's really trust. Do you have trust or not? Yeah. And, and that speaks so much to what you said earlier, where, you know, MQLs may have come from marketing has their number of leads they have to hit. Sales has a revenue number they have to hit. All these different teams have all these different numbers and there's no unification there. So um, I, I love that explanation. That's, that's cool. It's awesome, man. That's well, just yeah. And, and I want to thank you again for taking the time. I mean, I've taken about four pages of notes here, including testing, testing, testing. I wrote it out three times. So um for me personally, and I know for, for us, as we watch this again, it's been really enlightening. So thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much, Brandon. Thank you for what you all are doing. Like everybody, please check out all the rest of the masterclasses that you guys are going on. I think it's a great idea. 
and, and take something and do it and, and message me back on LinkedIn and tell me that, hey, I took this and here's what I'm going to do. Like, I want to hear from you. Did you take anything or we just wasted your time? Like, you really want to know. Let me know. Let Brandon know. One thing, like connect. I'll connect with anybody from here. Just sends me a connection request. I want to know you did something with it. Otherwise, I just wasted your time. That's so true. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious in that feedback too. I think that was a really big theme I picked up on. It's just take that feedback, see if it's working or not. And if it's not working, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, I want to hear. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Sangram. It's been awesome chatting with you. Thanks, man. Take care.